This is Mike Morford, host of The Murder of My Family, and I want to introduce you to a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called Even the Rich. Living in Beverly Hills, walking red carpets, flying on private planes, sitting courtside at the Lakers game, the glamorous life of the rich and famous. Well, at least that's what they want you to think. From the Royals to the Kardashians and the Murdochs to the Kennedys, every single family has their secrets. From Wondery, the team that brought you Dying for Sex and Dirty John, even the rich gives you the real inside scoop on the drama that keeps these families in the spotlight. Every week on Even the Rich, Brooke and Eurisha give you a hilarious behind-the-scenes look into how these dynasties are built, and sometimes broken, and the lengths they're willing to go to to protect the family name. This show is part history, part comedy, part gossip, and all fascinating. A world where the stakes are high and the rules don't apply. Be sure to subscribe to Even the Rich on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. I'd like to leave you with a short preview of Even the Rich. And I'll be back here soon with an all-new episode of The Murder of My Family. From Wondery, I'm Brooke Sifrin. And I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams. And this is Even the Rich, where we bring you absolutely true and absolutely shocking stories about the greatest family dynasties the world has ever seen. It's a show about power, how you get it, how you keep it, and what happens when it goes to your head. It's also about how rich people are just like us, because even the rich love and cry and dream and hope and get frustrated when they watch The Bachelor. Yeah, that too. Should we say how we met? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So eight years ago, I hopped off the plane at LAX with my dream and a cardigan. All right, Miley. Okay, just (laughs) kidding. I drove here. And I also found out dreams don't pay the rent. So I got a job doing valet parking. And that's how we met. I was a valet, too. We parked cars for the rich and famous. Which pretty much makes us the perfect people to bring you these stories. Because once you've parallel parked a Maserati, you pretty much know what it's like to be rich and famous. Plus, we live in the shadow of the Hollywood Hills. So we see celebs in their natural habitats. Like the time we saw Jessica. Uh, okay, are we <laughs> are we allowed to name names? Yeah, go for it. Why not? Okay, so we may or may not mm-hmm. have once seen Jessica Alba and Cash Warren get in a fight leaving Chelsea Handler's house. He was so drunk, <laughs> and she was very mad. But, you know, that's if, if. we saw them, of right. course. I did actually see Moby while I was hiking once. He smiled at me. Wow, congrats. He was really impressed with how well I was hiking. <laughs> in fact, he was like, can I learn from you how to hike? Yeah. You had this great conversation. Yeah. It's yeah. very sexy. So what we're saying is basically <laughs> we're rich adjacent. Yeah. And we're kicking things off with one of the richest families in the world and definitely one of the most dysfunctional. The British Royals. The House of Windsor. The Crown. The Firm. Do they seriously call themselves the firm? Oh, they do. Apparently, Prince Philip came up with it. The idea is that the royals aren't family, they're a firm, like a business conglomerate or a crime syndicate. It sounds just like the mafia. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they make people offers they can't refuse. Yeah, but it's always just tea. Take it, please. (laughs) So, over the next four episodes, we're going to focus on two members of the firm in particular, Diana Spencer and Meghan Markle. Both beautiful and brilliant women who went from commoner to royalty. 
Did they modernize the monarchy? Or did they whip up scandals that damaged the crown? And what did they wear along the way? I'm calling it Diana to Meghan, from commoner to royalty. I like it. And this is episode one, Meganomania. I'm popping the popcorn and pouring the tea. <laughs> I want you to picture something. It's September 6th, 1997. And a 16-year-old girl with freckles is sitting on the couch in Los Angeles, completely transfixed by what she's seeing on TV. A group of men in black suits emerge from St. James Church. Charles, William, Harry, and Earl Spencer. They're preparing to join the solemn procession making its way through the streets of London. Princess Diana's funeral. You guessed it. As the carriage approaches Westminster, the camera zooms in on the casket. The shot's kind of wobbly, but then something comes into focus. A card with a single word printed on the front. Mummy. Prince Harry wrote that card, his last letter to Diana. Oh. Harry was just 12 years old. And when that 16-year-old girl watching in Los Angeles sees it, she breaks down in tears. Meghan Markle? (laughs) Meghan was one of the two and a half billion people watching Diana's funeral. I don't know if you remember, but this was one of the biggest moments ever. I remember. Seems to me like she lived her life like a candle in the wind. Wow. I'm going to cry again. (laughs) like you're there. I know. Well, after it was over, Megan couldn't get it out of her mind. You might even say she became obsessed with Princess Di. Like she got a hold of a VHS of Diana's wedding and watched it over and over. So does this mean her falling in love with Harry was like fate? Or was it stalking? Hard to say. For Megan, it was like one of those kindred spirit connections. Except Megan was just a kid in California and Diana was the most famous woman in the world. It's kind of crazy because they seem so different. Like, Diana was this upper-crust English lady, and Meghan's pretty squarely middle class. Diana grew up in a 100,000-square-foot mansion. Meghan grew up in an apartment. Okay, what's happening here? I'll tell you what's happening here. It's called theater, and you have a front-row seat. Lucky you. Oh, God. (laughs) But here's the thing you might not see on the surface. They actually do have a lot in common. Like, they both have complicated families, and they both know what it's like to have people see your beauty and miss your brains, and they both have loads of charisma. I think Megan connected to all that. So, she went all in. Her friend said she wanted to be Diana 2.0. I mean, who hasn't wanted to be someone's 2.0 at some point? That's a good point. I always wanted to be Kristen Bell. (sighs) And in a lot of ways, I think I am. Okay, well, that's where we disagree. Okay, you always wanted her as a best friend. Well, you got her, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, I'll take it. All right, I'm just speculating here, but when Megan goes off to college at Northwestern, I think she's still thinking about Diana. Megan saw Diana as a star, someone who was a natural in front of the camera. So Megan studies theater, and she wants to make a difference in the world, like Diana. So she majors in international relations. International relations? It was hard enough balancing regular relations in college. I can't imagine (laughs) the international part of that. It's got to be so hard. Oh, yeah. Which is probably why her senior year of college, she takes a break from theater and gets an internship at the U.S. Embassy in Buenos Aires. Of course, her colleagues adore her. She's smart, enthusiastic, poised. She's got everything going for her. So she decides to take the Foreign Service exam. 
You need to pass it to become a diplomat. And it's notoriously hard. Like Mensa hard. But Megan is super smart. Not smart enough, apparently. She fails. Shit. Does she retake it? No, she has a better idea. She decides the world already has enough diplomats. What it really needs is another movie star. Oh yeah, there are not nearly enough movie stars in this world. And to Megan's surprise, it's not easy to make it as an actress in Hollywood. What? Yep, her career stalls. Honestly, it's not even stalled. A car has to at least start before it can stall. And hers has not even done that. Plus, she's broke. Her only source of income is as a calligrapher. She penned Paula Patton's wedding invitations. Oh, I loved Paula in Warcraft. She was half human, half orc. You know she had to wear prosthetic underthings. That sounds really hot. Yeah. And we've seen her in real life, and she is just as hot. I know. I look like her. <laughs> I'm just going to say that about her. Anything to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> but calligraphy does not pay the bills. You know what Megan actually needs? Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.